Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're a different kind of radio talk show because we feature great guests discussing everything that is life, our bodies, mind, and great human spirit, and all the while adding a little laughter. We have fun, entertaining, enlightening, and yes, even educating everyone that listens, including ourselves. I hope that you will join your host, Kevin McDonald, and his friends right now for Positive Talk Radio. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host here on KKNW 1150 AM, your alternative talk radio station. And today we've got a gal who was here a while back and we, we had so much fun with her, had so much fun with the material that we decided we needed to have her back. Herrick, do you remember when she was here last time? Of course I do. I don't. I don't remember the exact date or no, no uh, particular but, show number. But uh, yeah, I remember her being but on. It was she great. was she was great fun because what we're going to talk about now is is uh, uh, Hollywood nanny, the Hollywood nanny, ex Hollywood nanny. Actually. That's right. She wrote the book. You'll never nanny in this town again. And uh, Suzanne is Suzanne Hansen is with us. Suzanne, how are you? Hi, I am fine. How are you, Kevin and Eric? We are terrific. Good. Very well, thank you. And and you wrote the book, You'll Never Nanny in This Town Again. Where'd you get the title? I came up with that on my own. I kind of just had that thought. I kind of went back and forth with Hollywood Nanny and You'll Never Nanny in This Town Again. And then I decided to go with a little catchier title because that's what I was told. So people have kind of enjoyed that title and had fun with it. Would you tell us that story, please, for okay. those of, the, of our listeners that weren't here the last time? Tell us the story of where the title came from. Okay. I uh, went down to Hollywood uh, just out of high school, and I went to a nanny school here in Portland, and then I was placed in a job down in L.A. And it was a very, he was a very powerful man in Hollywood, and um, I didn't really realize how powerful he was since I was only 19. And when I decided to leave after being with the family for a year, he was really upset. He had asked me, you know, could I stay? And it offered more money, and I, and I told him I really um, did want to quit. And so at that point he said, oh, so do you ever plan to work as a nanny in this town again? <laughs> and I said, um, well, yeah, I do. And he said, ha, we'll see, and turned around and walked down the hall. I didn't quite get it then still. I was a little naive. I didn't quite get it. Um, but he really didn't want me to work again. I think it really upset him that I was just such a young girl from a small town that I didn't understand who I was dealing with. You know, he was making and breaking careers and dealing with really powerful people that we see in the media. And here I was saying, uh, no, thank you. I don't want to work. And so it really upset him. And he uh, spent some energy on um not wanting me to get another job. So it was really an experience. Well, let's put this in the context because this particular individual is an agent and I don't know his name, but and it doesn't matter because he's a Hollywood agent. And I always thought before I talked to you last time that a Hollywood agent who was at the beck and call of the folks that, you know, the stars that, mm-hmm. that he represents, but actually, in fact, the reverse is true, isn't it? You know, it, he really, um, Yes, I, and I have had people ask me that. And in general, that can be true because as the agents, they want the really big names if we think of, because they get a percentage of their income. So if we think of the big names and the figures we hear that they're getting $30 million a film, then the agents love to have them as clients. He really um, changed the industry in packaging clients and movies and producers and working all together. So it was like they wanted to have him as an agent because he was so prestigious and he was so powerful that he could get them connected. 
So since he had other clients that were big, it's all, you know, it's everyone's working together. You want to work with a famous producer and you want to work with a famous director. He kind of orchestrated all that. So it was, it was a big learning experience for me. So consequently, you met some of the most interesting and famous people in uh, coming through that house, didn't you? I really, I really did, and it and it was just a really um, funny experience. How at night they had a lot of dinner parties, and so the other uh, people, that, the other staff there that I became friends with, we would look at the guest list and giggle and say, "Oh my gosh, they're coming!" And it was really strange. And I would call home and say um, that. People were coming over for dinner, and then they would come, and it would just be so funny to be, you know, in the living room and have Steve Martin walk in. And what was funny was it be started; it became routine really quickly. It was really a funny thing where I just got used to it. The the people that would call, you know, oh, Paul Newman's holding on the phone, and it just didn't even feel unusual anymore. Hold on a minute. Are you telling me that, that Steve Martin would come over and Paul Newman would be on the phone and that didn't impress you after a while? <laughs> well, I'm not, not, I guess it impressed. I was all, it was like I got very used to it because I started keeping a little diary when, it fir- when I first started. And I was like, um, Dan Aykroyd came over. And I would write the little things and say who called and if I talked to him. And I would, you know, met so-and-so at the park and I would keep track. And then after about three months, I thought, oh, well, this is just dumb. I felt silly doing it because it was so frequent. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny, doesn't it? It does. But, you know, a lot of us who don't get to see the big and famous people who we think that they're kind of like bigger than life. How many times have you have you run into a star and said, my, he's shorter than I thought he would be. Isn't that the so truth? You know, I had that experience with um, Mel Gibson when I saw him. And it was so strange. And you I, met Mel Gibson? Yes, and I'm telling you, he's not very tall. I want your autograph. Well, would you stop it? Yeah. So, listen, it is a very funny thing, and I try to tell myself this when I'm the haggard mom and hardly ever get a shower and looking like crap all the time. Oh, sorry, can I say that word? Yes, okay. you just did. Yes, okay. So, when some of those celebrity actresses, as you can see, because sometimes you'll see them in the magazines without makeup and hair done, a lot of them do look let's say, fairly average to attractive. But if you had someone doing your hair and makeup and grooming and diet and clothing and all that, it does make it look different than the real reality of the world. So same thing with them making them look taller, the women look more beautiful, all those things. They have so many techniques that they use to make them look so much better than you and I. So it's all an illusion. Pretty much, yes. Oh, another bubble burst. I know. Well, my theory is is that people are interested in the Hollywood thing, and I'm just as bad because I still get People Magazine. I love it. Um, that you got to catch like up with to... your old friends. That's why. Would you say you got to catch up with your old friends? Oh, that's, that's why. Right. You get I got to read like when the when the women say, "Oh yes, I don't have a nanny." Oh, I get up in the night with the baby, so I got to read that so I can call my other nanny friends and we get a good laugh about it. Right. But um, I think it's that we kind of want to believe that this is the perfect world because it looks perfect, but we kind of know it's not true. So I think it's just really intriguing what their life is like. I got the biggest kick out of it because you were telling me the last time you were on that in now after you left the producer, you went to another famous person's house. Right. And you were part of a nanny duo that they actually had two nannies, right? Mm -hmm. They had one for their older. They had one, an infant nanny. Yes. And they had one for how old was the older child? They were uh, the girls three and five, and and so they had actually there were two of you. 
Right. There was a nanny for the three and five year old, and then I was for the baby. Correct. Isn't so, that interesting? Yeah. So now, what would you do? Take take the baby into mom so that she could feed in the middle of the night? No. At that time, he was not. I would get up in the night with him and feed him. I would get up in the night with him and have a bottle. The reason I think they wanted a separate nanny for him was so that we could go to work with her, so that I was able to take the baby to work so we could be there with her, and then the other one could stay home with the girls. You know, they have ballet classes and that kind of thing, so she could be with the baby more. Because that family really loved to be with the kids. And so it's, that's what's, I think that's what's so cool about having that kind of money, to be able to do what's really perfect for your kids. It seems extravagant to us to have two full-time care providers for three kids, because um, there's lots of moms out there with five kids doing it by themselves. Uh-huh. But that's what's kind of cool about having that money. It kind of affords you that luxury to get to have the ideal. So she wanted to be with her baby, and that was the perfect thing. Talk so. about the disconnect between when you have that kind of money and you have two nannies here and a, and a cook there and a butler there and a driver this and a guy that and, and the disconnect between the way that they live and reality. You mean in comparison to our lives? Yeah, well, like like everybody else. Right, right. Most normal folks. Well, you know, it was inter- I, I was watching, did you see the Barbara Walters interview with uh, Diana's butler? No. You know he has that book out, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I was reading that, and and he was, Barbara was asking him questions like she didn't believe him when he would say he would help her pick out clothes and stuff, and she was saying, well, she had a stylist and a designer. I can't believe that you would be helping her pick out clothes. And I thought, well, you don't understand. I was thinking, Barbara, you don't understand the relationship of the people in the house, that it's not that, it's not that clear cut, that you're living this whole life with this whole I call it we're a family attached to a family. So the whole staff, we're kind of our own entity on our own to run these people's lives. So the separation between you and I is I do everything, right? I pay the bills. I go get the groceries. I rarely cook dinner for my husband, let's be honest here. I do the things that I'm supposed to do to run a household and take care of the kids, help my husband with his business. They have someone essentially to do every area of that, of their life so that they can just focus on their work. So that's what's so different. Now, I know you two probably have got a couple assistants that work for you independently, right? And you have a stylist that gets your clothes picked out to come to work and all that, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> actually, I'm, 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 I've got an ad in the paper for that position now. Do you really? I, abs- absolutely, it, uh, but it's, it doesn't pay much. Yeah, I'm always accepting volunteers. So. <laughs> that's right. Help me be a stylist. Exactly. So, see, like, you could use someone full-time, right? I could use a couple of people full-time just to to manage me. Exactly, just to manage you. And so that's what they have is they have them to manage them. And so that's what's so different. And so that's why when I'm kind of sarcastic about the when they go on the talk shows and say, you know, that they're getting up in the night with a baby and stuff. Okay, so let's say, yes, they did get up in the night with a baby like all of us moms do. They did, but then in the morning, they could sleep in, they could go have a massage, they have child care pretty much 24-7 if they want to, to take care of themselves. So they get to pick and choose what mom tasks they want to do. We don't, we don't get to do that. No. Because it's not all fun. I mean, you know, we make sacrifices as parents, the stuff that we do that's not fun, but we do it because we love our kids and we want the best for them. So they kind of get to pick and choose the fun stuff is kind of the way I see it. 
And maybe they get up in the night to alert the nanny that the baby needs attention. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, you know, when I was working, my second job with Deborah, when I was working for her, she didn't. She was a real stay-at-home, on hand, hands-on mom, and she had had a baby nurse, which. Remember I told you last time, like, that's the one that comes in and helps you with the newborn? Yeah. She had had one. She didn't really want to hire, but, you know, everyone in Hollywood, you're supposed to have that. And she said it would be so funny because she'd hear the baby crying, and she'd go in, Deborah would go in and take care of the baby. And then 10 minutes later, here would come the baby nurse, who was an older woman, you know, coming up the stairs, and she couldn't hear him. So she said, she'd say to her, go back to bed. I've already got it taken care of. So she finally got rid of her after a couple of weeks because she was there with the baby before the baby nurse could ever make it. Well, normally, that's so unusual. Normally, the baby's, you know, in the next room from the baby nurse. The mom's not even in earshot difference, earshot of the mom. Because the house is so big. Yes, exactly. Now, Deborah, Deborah whom? That was um, Deborah Winger. Oh, very, very good. Deborah Winger. Now, you also were, and I'd like to, when we come back from this break, I'd like to talk about your experience with the short one and the lady from Cheers. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to your alternative talk radio station, which what, is King- what, what? What? What was that? <laughs> alternative? The alternative. Okay. What did I say? You you sounded like you said alternative. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're terminated radio station if we're not careful here. That's right. We're inventing a new vocabulary on the air every single day. Well, you know, positive. Talk. You know, there are comedians who've made, and we're talking, by the way, who is Suzanne Hansen, and there are comedians in Hollywood that have made a career out of massacring. The English language. Yeah, tell me. Yes. Particularly, yeah. yeah you are not one of them. Uh, no. <laughs> Sadly. But I'd like to learn. I could I could do that job. That's right. If, if it requires hiring nannies and that sort of thing and having the money to pay for them, I would be happy to. By the way, Suzanne, if you're a nanny in Hollywood, yes. do you make any money? I did at the time, yes. No, I didn't save any or anything, but um, yes, I did. I did. That was good money at the time. And you know what's really, really sad is that I see today, still on to this day, many, many years later, there's nanny jobs for three kids full-time. They're offering $250 a week. You're kidding. No. I can't. I, I, you know, I don't know very many mothers that have three kids that would take 250 bucks a week for what they <laughs> That's do. That's the truth, yes. You know, because they work so much harder than that. I have the utmost respect for them. And three kids, a nanny, and it's a 24 by 7 job, isn't yep. it? Yeah, and so that's kind of what they're buying when you are making the what's considered good money as a nanny, that they're buying that you're pretty much 24 hours a day, that there really isn't a schedule. And that's what I talk about in the book, that that was a big mistake on my part, that I didn't really, we didn't have a contract. I didn't discuss when I was off, because then I soon found out I was never off. It was 24 hours a day. I did have Saturday and Sunday were, quote, my days off, but like I told you before, it didn't. You know, it didn't start till Saturday morning because Friday night I'd get up with the baby and I couldn't go anywhere and stay out like Sunday night and come home Monday because the alarm system. So it was really a short period of time that I could actually leave the house and go do something. So if you came home too late on the weekend, you were dinner for a Doberman? No. <laughs> That's funny. I did have a story in there about some guard dogs that wasn't too funny. But no. It's fact is, cause, so let's say I want to come in at 10 o'clock at night on Sunday it set out the whole alarm for the house, and I didn't think that was too polite. So I just didn't do it. 
By the way, and and I t- the last time that you were here, I made a joke, and it bears repeating. Um, the the uh, agent that you were a, uh, a nanny for, yes, is there really a casting couch in his office? <laughs> That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny when you said that. I like that. Oh, good. I just had um, to repeat that. So no, no, there was not. But I thought that was pretty funny when you said that. Absolutely. What they do? Move to another room? <laughs> no, he might have had it at his office, maybe. <laughs> Very good. So you now we were going to talk about and I teased everyone. We were going to talk about the short one and the lady from Cheers. Mm-hmm. Talk about those two. Oh, they were really great. That that was a um, funny story about. I went. I had worked for the other two families, and I went to a new agency uh, to apply for a position. And the woman that day said, "Oh, great! Can you go over to Paramount and interview?" And so she hadn't checked my references or done anything. And I said, okay. So I drove over there and got to drive in the gates with a big Paramount sign on it and the little guard guys at the door. And I say, I'm going to the set of Cheers. And uh, I walked on, and it was, you know, the whole setup with the bar and everything. It was, re- it was really fun. And I met with uh, Rhea, who played um, Carla then. And we just talked and visited about the position. And then she said her husband was there. And could I meet him because she liked me? And he was upstairs in the dressing room. And I said, great. Didn't know who he was. And walked upstairs, and there was um, Louis De Palma, <laughs> Danny DeVito. Yep. And how long did you work for in their house? I was just there the first time, about oh, probably about seven months, and then I went back. That um, I talk about in the book for two other trips with them when they didn't have nannies to go. So I went on two. Well, the first nanny didn't work out, and I went back for a couple months till they found someone, and then I went back on another trip. So those were both really fun experiences where we got to travel and. Um, I got to stay in one of those hotels that I saw in Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with uh, Robin Leach one time. Really? Which, yeah. So what was that like? Well, that, it was just this really cool. They stayed in this separate house that had its own private swimming pool. And then I had a room up in the hotel, like a separate, just a regular hotel room. And then they had a house downstairs. It was like a two-bedroom. And we had the full-time cook and maid. And you could just ask for whatever you wanted. And they served dinner and stuff. It was really, it was really something. And so, Robin Leach was still there working as a butler now. <laughs> exactly. He was, yeah, poor Robin Leach. What has happened with him? Oh, I don't know. He never really had much talent. No. Except for, guy, he just had that accent, I think, is right. the only, you know, the poor guy. I'm yelling and I don't know why. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. <laughs> Lifestyles of the rich and daddy. That's what that I, so funny. That's what I am. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. You got me going on on the the on, anyway. So you worked for the agent, and you worked for Danny and uh, Danny DeVito and Rhea. Right. And I understand that they are really down to earth, nice people. Yep, they really are. They're really about the kids, and it doesn't matter, you know, about the that the house is immaculate. They just really are about the kids and what they can um, do for them, and do um, spend as much time with them as they can. So. They're they're really neat. I just really um, really like them a lot. So so did let me ask you. Did you meet the the uh, governor elect of California? You know, I just saw him briefly when um, we were filming Twins, and I had put a little card in my book. I had put a little story um, of a card I found from uh, Arnold and his wife that they had sent to Danny and Rhea about. Um, it was a holiday card and said, instead of sending gifts, you know, because we're so fortunate, we have donated money to a charity. And I was just really, ex- I was just so in awe that they were acknowledging that they were more fortunate than others because I hadn't been used to that. Every- everywhere else I'd been, nobody really realized that 
their life was so different than you and I. And so I just really thought that that was neat that they that they acknowledged that. So I had the copy of that little card in my book. So you met Jack Nicholson too, didn't you? Well, I just heard stories about you know he when he told Deborah to vote for herself on the Academy Awards because he said, if you if you don't vote for yourself, how can you expect anyone else to vote for you? There you so, go. Yeah. There you go. This is the book you'll never nanny in this town again. It is uh, about the Hollywood nanny. You can go to your website, right? Right. I have a HollywoodNanny.com website, and you can order a book and you get a signed copy. Or we're on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, and your bookstores. Who was the nicest person that you met in Hollywood? Mm. Well, probably not um, Christina Ferrari, that was married to the DeLorean guy. Oh, you mean as in Ferrari, Ferrari? Yeah, she must be from that. Fa- you know what? I don't know. She must be from that family. So Ferrari was married to DeLorean, right? And then she was married <laughs> That's to. That's great. <laughs> I always wondered if that was really her last name because of that. Huh. She was just, she's just been a host and stuff on shows, so I guess she's not very famous. Her, and I loved uh, Goldie Hawn. Oh, you met Goldie Hawn? Oh, I thought she's just so sweet. Oh, yeah. she's adorable. Now, is she shorter than... She's a little thing, isn't she? Yeah, she's tiny, but I, don't th- I think she was a little bit taller than me. Did you meet her husband? Mr. No, Russell? I just saw him. I did not have a conversation with him, but isn't he the cutest thing? I, I'm I sorry, I wouldn't know. Oh, yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I hate it when guys do that. I wouldn't know. I can't tell. My husband does that all the time. It really irritates me. Well, but you see, from what my perspective, yes. if I think what I think is a good-looking man yes. would be to a woman, yes. isn't. You're kidding. No, because I have no frame of reference. To, because what I would think is a good-looking man to a woman actually is what I... Never mind. I'm not going there anymore. So it, would, it doesn't work for me. Does it work for you, Eric? Never. I don't understand that because I can tell if a woman is attractive, but although sometimes I do that... And my well, that's pretty obvious. We're, you know, how, the, is that, how is that more obvious than the guys? I don't understand. Okay, let me, I'll put it, let me okay, paint a picture point. for you. If there's a big old hairy guy, mm. I can't imagine him being attractive, but there are women who think that a big old hairy guy is just lovely. I see. So what's happened is the fact that you see some men with women, it's thrown you off to think, I must not have any judgment, because if some woman thinks he's attractive... Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Well, I think women have very specific tastes in what they like in men, and it's not necessarily across the board for all women. Like, uh, maybe men would have a more general... And th- and uh, thank God for that, that look for because women. the four of us that are sitting in this room wouldn't have any women at all if they all liked somebody that was cute. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Kevin. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> That's funny. Did you see? There's going to be a new ro- reality show where the woman thinks she's like on The Bachelor, and it's Joe Average. Yeah. <laughs> and her face. Did you see a look on her face when she sees the poor pot belly balding guy? Oh man. Oh man. Mining the depths of humiliation. You know, I think I start on that show. So <laughs> it has been great talking to you, Suzanne. Let's let's get the the uh, website out one more time. Uh, HollywoodNanny.com and the books you'll never nanny in this town again. And it's going well, I understand. It is. We've really sold. We've already sold out uh, what the distributor had, and we probably are going to do another um, print run here pretty quick. Oh, that's great! By the way, as, as your parting shot, who was the biggest stinker you ever met? <laughs> That's not very nice. Do you think we should really say that? Yes, um, yes, we yes, should. Yes, I, yeah, I think so. But, um, 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 I, uh, well, I'll just say what, that... What, there were so many? I'll, let's just say that um, Stallone's not very nice to his nannies. He's Yo, Adrian. way above them. Really? 
And for a short little guy, you'd think that he would be he would be a lot nicer. Yeah, he is short. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That guy is short. <laughs> well, he is our next president, so let's not badmouth him too much. <laughs> Suzanne Hansen is the author. Hollywood Nanny, or, or You'll Never Nanny in This Town Again, is the book, and it's www.hollywoodnanny.com. Suzanne, thank you for being on the show. You guys, it's great to talk to you. And we will have you on again because this is just too much fun. we got to talk more about this. All right. i got lots more stories. Thank you, Suzanne. Bye-bye. Take care. And we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the good uh, man, Jerry Armour. And we might even talk about his roots back in the music business. And I'll let him and Eric talk about that. They like the music stuff. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to KKNW, your talk radio alternative. And we're going to talk. Your alternative talk station. Your talk radio alternative. You've got to get that right, <laughs> Kevin. you got to. You just got to. You can do it. I <laughs> know you can. Tomato, tomato. It's the same. It's, it, it's not the same thing, though. It's different. I know. It is different. We have a brand name, you see. I know. but You, don't see, you don't see Coca-Cola saying, Cola Coca. <laughs> Buy it up. <laughs> it's it's kind of refreshing. Yes, but you know what? It's I've always been kind of a maverick about this sort of thing. So you know, it's it it works for me. But I'll, I'll just to make Mister Mister KKNW happy. Your alternative talk radio station. There you go. Thank you. You can do it, Jerry Armour. How are you? Pretty good on a cloudy day. Boy, are you in trouble? What did I do? You ran out of Umka again. Yeah, I'm sorry. The company just can't. Get enough of it. It comes from South Africa. Yes. So consequently, it's in short supply. And as a matter of fact, when I left the store, the sales rep from Nature's Way was there. And he was giving me all kinds of excuses. I said, excuse me, I got to go on the air. <laughs> and so here I am. Drag his sorry butt down here and we'll ask him why they can't produce enough of it. Because this is the season when we need that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been so ultimately successful. I mean... Like I said, I cured myself in 24 hours. Would you like to describe the product that we can't get and tell us what it is? Well, it's a it's a product that comes from the root of a plant called geranium. And geranium, you've probably seen geraniums. They are, it's not germanium, which is a, a, a mineral. It's geranium. And yes. it's indigenous to South Africa. In other words, it doesn't grow anywhere else. So consequently, it's in short supply. And what it does, it stops the cold in its track. And generally, only 24 hours. It's just amazing. The only thing I find is that I have a little bit of mucus, a little bit of a runny nose. And this is going on the second week. I have to investigate that. But I have no cold symptoms. And it was Very good. Tw- just 24 hours. It was a Friday morning. I got up, and I think I called my man and said, Mark, I think you maybe better take over today. And uh, I was there bright and early Saturday morning, and I was fine. You know, it's interesting. Jerry Armour has been with us since March, and he comes every Tuesday. And my good friend, Mike, who was, we were having uh, a cup of coffee that we shouldn't have, had the place that we shouldn't go because it's bad for us, which is which is the Starbucks place. And, uh, and he said to me, as, because you walked in, because you were getting a little snack on your way to yes. to the store. Yes, sir. And he said to me, that's Jerry? 
He looks much <laughs> younger than I would have thought. How old is he? Yeah, I know. I know. We, we could have swore that you were like in your 50s. And and the only reason that we said 50s is because we're in our 40s and you have to be older than us. Exactly. <laughs> now, I'm pushing 80 and um, it's it's a good life. Yes, it is. Uh, I would like a little bit more sunshine in my life, but uh, it's it is something like that, it is like very dark today. Yeah, it looks like it's going to pour, but maybe it won't. That's all right. But no, anyhow, umka is um, it is a very radical new substance that's been available in Europe for two years. They've been using it in Germany and France and Spain, et cetera, and so forth. And um, it's been kept out because of some of the pressure from some of your cold medicine, you know, the sugar and water stuff that they sell in the drugstore. And, uh, Do you mean the stuff that doesn't work and it's sugar sugar and water and they charge you a lot of money for it? Well, the better it tastes, the less it works, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They get all those uh, things in there, you know, and artificial color, which is not very good for your brain. And um, the FDA has been forced because of some pressure to allow this to be available in the United States. Nature's Way which is a very innovative company. They're responsible for the Sambacol, which actually stops the virus in its tracks for this particular product. So they have them both. They have the preventative and they have the cure for the common cold. And it works. Both of them work. Except one of them you can't get. You got the other one? Uh, The Sambacol is in stock. Oh, very good. Yeah. Now, when are you going to get more of the umpka? You know, it's, it sounds like we're going like on, on a Scandinavian adventure whenever we say umpka. Yeah, well, it, it adds to the curiosity of the product. Absolutely. Know? With a name like that, how can you lose? <laughs> <laughs> so when is that going to be back in stock? Uh, yesterday, when I ordered it, they told me probably be available on Thursday, which means we probably won't have it until Monday. Of next week. Yes. So if you're going to go see Jerry, he'll he'll snap at you. Because you're kind of like the soup Nazi of the of the nutrition world. You got it. Which which works very well for, for you. And, yeah. and so, but go in and ask Jerry a question because he does such a wonderful job there at the Good Health Pantry in Factoria. You have got a stack of papers in front of you, young man. And there's something that you would like to talk about. What's on your mind? Well, we started talking about cancer last week. Yes, we did. And uh, I don't have... Too much to say, except uh, that would be a first. Exactly, but cancer is preventable. Yes, it is. Cancer is huh? not curable, not in the good old USA. So it's so the only way to cure it is to not get it. Exactly. Now there are things like chemotherapy, and chemotherapy is based on the premise that it kills cells. It kills some of the cancer cells, but it also kills some of the natural cells that you need to live. Consequently, you're sort of shooting crap. Is that a good expression? And um, when you take chemotherapy. Now, I assume that when we're using the expression shooting crap, we are talking about the game, not the act. Exactly. (laughs) Now, one of the things about chemotherapy is that you lose your hair. Yes. You lose your hair. That's a good sign that you're killing Good cells. Well, if you're in my boat, you're losing your hair anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Well, if you're bald, then you're in better shape, I guess. That's right. Because, <laughs> see, I could see, and that's the, that's the fashion now. When I was growing up, if I was in my 20s, and I probably would have shaved my head because that's in fashion now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't shave my head, but as you can see, my haircut, what is it, uh, a quarter of an inch? You uh, have a full head of hair. I do, just, but the point is, frightening. it's so full and so ravenous. That uh, I just can't keep it under control, so I keep it very short. Because it grows so fast? Yes. 
And that's because of what you take. Well, that's one of the reasons. I guess there's a certain amount of heredity involved because uh, every one of my family, including my brother, who unfortunately died about a month ago, he had pretty much the same kind of hair that I do. But unfortunately, he had a couple doctors living in Hawaii that didn't treat him for Parkinson's disease, which is treatable, and he died from Parkinson's disease. And uh, unfortunately, he was seven years older than me. He was 85. Mm -hmm. Actually, what am I talking about? Yeah, 86. Mm -hmm. And um, he just didn't listen to me on a lot of things because I'm the younger brother, or I was the younger brother. And if you're a older brother out there, mm-hmm. because I'm also a younger brother, mm-hmm. you need to listen to your younger brother. We're not stupid. We know what we're talking about sometimes. Well, yeah. Right? Well, I could go into it further, but I won't. <laughs> you know, siblings, uh, there are problems there, always, you know. Oh, yeah. And and my friend, Mike Hoy, who's in the studio with us today and has been very patient and very quiet, he's one of 16. Get out. Nah. Boy Scouts or children? In- I'm the good-looking one, I always tell people. Wow. He's, he's the good-looking of 16. Can you mm-hmm. imagine having 16 kids in the same house? No. His father was in food service. That's because he had to. My he God. had no choice. Free food, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> the most we've ever had in our house was four children at one time. That was when I was very young. And believe me, it was very frustrating. See, I was the baby, and I was the cute little boy. Yeah, yes. And I, frankly, I was pretty cute when I was young. Well, you had two and, older sisters and an older brother, right? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the sisters used to make me nuts because, you know, they would take me, my brother would take me everywhere, too, and show me off to his girlfriends. Ah, you know. he was seven years older than you. Yes. And, uh, you know, when he's 16 or 17. You were eight or nine? There you go, there you go. And I was really a cute little boy, I really was. Matter of fact, I had a lot of problems in school, all the little girls ran after me. Oh, now that's a problem. The only man. problem in high school, they stopped running after me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little homely, I guess. <laughs> well, you'd, you'd just stop and they would run into you then. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we're here to talk about more... Se- By the way, is there, an herb, <laughs> is there an herbal supplement you can take for that? To get, yeah. rid, of to get rid of Terminal ugliness? Yeah. Uh, I th- no, I think it's like cancer. It's terminal. <laughs> yeah. So echinacea don't help on that one? No, 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 not at all. No, actually, but I understand that if you've got money, that helps. Yeah. Yeah, you can get your face lifted. That's right. That's the green herb that'll help you. Yes. Yeah, right, right, right. Absolutely. So it's a wonderful thing. So, And actually, we're trying to talk about something relatively serious, which is cancer. But. Well, I don't think there's anything more serious than cancer. Maybe heart disease, but uh, heart disease isn't always fatal, where cancer is generally 98 to 99% fatal. Now, and, is that because now even people that, that get cancer and then they go and they and they have an operation and they cut it out and stuff like that. Is it because the cells are metastasizing and even it's really difficult to get them all and somewhere down the road, maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, that's going to get you sooner or later? Well, it's Russian roulette. You know, you just, you can, there are some people that have been cured of cancer. Yes. I got to ask you, are you a gambling man? Mm, No. Because so far we've talked about crafts and Russian roulette. So I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just on speculating, taking a trip to Las Vegas. Are you really? Not really. I just like to have a vacation of any type. Well, I think you should go to Vegas. Well, I'm thinking about going and seeing my daughter in San Diego, but I think inhaling all that smoke and all that, those fumes. And my daughter told me she has a blue Mercedes convertible that she can't tell what color it is because it's loaded with ash. Oh, because of the fires down there. Yeah, she's she's not in a critical area, but she's in an area 
where the wind blows free and it's all over. She's she keeps our cat at home. She's staying at home because she's had cancer under her tongue. And this was quite a while ago, and she's concerned about, you know, possible lung cancer or whatever. Well, the carcinogens that must be in the air down there right now are just awful. Wow. It's no place to live right now. I'll tell you. As of this morning, there were over 1,000 houses that were burned, something like that. That's right. Which is, of course, that's another negative topic that, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're talking about, cancer, and we're talking about that. But Yes. But it is is a reality of life, isn't it? Yes, it is. Lung cancer is a result of foreign substances in the lungs. Most people think that cancer runs in families. Uh, That's still within question. It depends upon the strength of the cells and how the strength is inherited or the weakness or the strength inherited through the family tree. Can it also be that particular families eat a certain way? Yes. and, And so that gets passed down from generation to generation? No question about it. And that can be part of the hereditary problems. We know for a fact that certain cancers are caused by diet. One of them is sugar, granulated sugar. Too much of it over a long period of time causes colon cancer because the sugar stagnates in the colon. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you ain't got it by now, in the first hour we talked about sugar causing diabetes that could end up killing you, and now we're talking about it giving you cancer. If you haven't got it by now, sugar's not a good thing for you to be putting in your body. Well, remember that granulated sugar is a part of the progress of a commercial society because it's it, sugar itself is not as dangerous as when it's granulated, in other words, when it's processed. So consequently, it doesn't, it's not utilized by the body and it winds up in specifically the colon. Well, and the reality is sugar really isn't necessary. It is because we're an affluent society. We can sugar and sweeten everything up because we can. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's not necessary. You can you can get sugars, natural sugars from fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, my sister and my mother both died of colon cancer and they were sugar freaks. Unfortunately, so am I. But of course, I've cut down. The only thing we've talked about many times is I can't get rid of the phobia, the ice cream thing. Well, at CNN, after work, after dinner, watching CNN, having a bowl of ice cream, that's your deal, <laughs> isn't it? Well, no, the ice cream oh. comes later. You know, I'm, uh, I don't eat sweets with my food for oh. some reason. Well, that's just habitual. I, I'm not being cautious there, but the ice cream comes when I get fully digested my food and I feel like I want a little snack, so I get a bowl of ice cream or... I mix it with a little milk, make a shake out of it. I mean, it's just terrible what I do. Wait a minute. What was the stuff the lady said? You put it in your mouth and it tastes terrible and you won't want to eat anything sweet? Oh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yes. Where was that? Um, Withenia. <laughs> Have some of that, Jerry. You won't Withania. want ice cream. Yeah. No, no, that, that's not it. There was another with, one. Wasn't it Withenia? Lobelia. Ob- there you go. Lobelia. Ob- you- no, Lobelia is also helpful for cutting cigarette smoking because if you take a little Lobelia out of the capsule and put it on your tongue, you don't want to smoke a cigarette because it'll feel like you're burning alive. Well, you know, I don't want to smoke a cigarette anymore either, but at one time it was the most pleasurable thing that I could do, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. If I was stressed, having a cigarette was a good thing. Mm-hmm. If I was relaxed. Having a cigarette was a good thing. If I had a meal, oh, that was a good time to have a cigarette. If I was having, well, that was also a good time to have a cigarette. As a matter of fact, we have to take a break. And we're, when we, we'll be right back right after this word from Marlboro Country. <laughs> Stay tuned. Another sponsor we've blown off. What I hate it. Pro smoking. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back after these messages. 
Talk about cancer. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. We're sitting here talking to Jerry Armour and Mike Hoy. Mike Hoy is a good friend of mine and and, uh, has been so for like 10 or 12 years. And Jerry Armour hasn't been my friend that long, but he is a wonderful man. And I highly encourage you to go visit him at the Good Health Pantry. Now, while I've got the two of you here, and I know we were going to talk about cancer today, I, so let's go back to that. You've got some things you'd like to talk about, what, about cancer. Well, the basic thing is prevention of cancer. As I say, I think that it is detrimental to our medical system that we haven't found a cure for cancer, especially the so-called greatest country in the world with the greatest amount of money. Why don't we do the greatest amount of research? And we don't. There are other countries that do better research than we do. And uh, I think that that's kind of a negative as far as our medical industry is concerned. Well, you know what was interesting, and you weren't here in the first hour, but we were talking with a naturopathic physician from Australia. And to just to tell you the state of where we are as versus other countries, mm-hmm. in Australia, they have, she said, that we are, well, we are using in this country pesticides that in Australia were banned 20 years ago. I know because my daughter lived in Australia for five years. That's where she developed cancer. Is that because of? No, no, it's not because of anything but personal habits. Smoking the stogies like a lot of women do over there and too much wine constantly. I mean, the combination is carcinogenic. Well, that's what they do in the pubs. Yeah. And I had, yeah, and I, I had treated her for oral cancer and this was 13, about 14, 15 years ago. And she's fine. So let me ask you, in, in our society today, as far as fighting cancer and just overall health, do you think it's necessary to take a, a supplement to your diet as far as vitamins? There's no question about it. Okay. Would you look over at my friend, Mike Hoy, and tell him to start taking your multi-guard? Well, the, the, first thing, the first thing you think about are cancer repellents. In other words, the, the carotenoids, not just beta carotene, is extremely important. If you go to a uh, Walmart or a uh, (laughs) Centrum or whatever, you're only getting the synthetic beta carotene. It is totally worthless. It has absolutely no value to your body. You need alpha carotene, beta carotene, lutein, lycopene. There are six, seven, eight different carotenoids. These come from dark green, yellow, orange, and red vegetables like red peppers, sweet red peppers. Extremely important. But even the the red peppers and the green peppers that we get at the grocery store are mass-produced and they're in depleted soil, are they Yeah, but they still have something. They have better than nothing. See, as long as they have that color, they've got the nutrient. Uh Aha. See, the red in red peppers and the red in tomatoes is lycopene. Lycopene is number one preventative for breast cancer. Now, you go to a doctor and he probably never heard of lycopene. All he heard of was some kind of chemical that he would say would help. There are many things that can be used for breast cancer. The most important thing are dark green, orange, yellow, red vegetables. In our society with so many toxins, with you know, so many things that can give us problems, there, is there a foolproof way to avoid the cancers and, and the, all the toxins, or do we need to flush them out? How do, we, how do we deal with the environment that we live in? 
Well, you have alternatives. You can stop eating, you can stop breathing, you can stop thinking, and you won't get cancer. Perfect. And and <laughs> I guess it's we the... We quit thinking a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. It's the thinking part's not an issue for me. It's the eating and the breathing part I have trouble with. Okay, let, let's, let me tell you about one thing that I will say there isn't a single listener out here that knows what I'm talking about. There, okay. it's, called, it's called limonene. Limonene is sweet orange oil. The orange is probably next to the apple, of course, you know, Adam and Eve and yeah. all that garbage. Uh, <laughs> the opinions expressed herein are not necessarily those of station management a whole and or bunch of people who have a problem with garbage. But yes, exactly. Well, yes, there's some good nutrients in the garbage. Dogs, <laughs> dogs and cats love it. You know, that's there right. Has to be something decent. But no, limonene is the oil that comes from the skin, the peel, the outer skin of the orange, and of course lemons. Uh, you know, also, but orange particularly. If you take the orange peel and squeeze it in your two finger you know you're you're in two fingers like what i'm showing you squeeze it and you'll find an oily substance this is called limonene limonene is essential for the prevention of several forms of cancer particularly skin cancer now is that something that you would apply topically or something no it's no. something that you would take in your body because it has to be utilized a lot of things that you put on your skin never get to the two dermal layers underneath they just sit there okay. okay all right this is fine it just depends on what you want to do there are things that you can use for a rash which is the outer layer that can be helpful mm -hmm. but this particular substance has to be ingested into your body utilized by certain natural enzymes and gotten into the bloodstream which will take it to the lower or intermediate level of the skin. And what kind of cancer does it help prevent? This one helps pancreatic cancer. It can help lung cancer, skin cancer, breast cancer, all, uh, practically every form. All the biggies. Okay. Now, this is the orange. Now, what else is in the orange? You've got the pulp underneath the skin. That's called bi uh, bioflavonoids. Bioflavonoids oh. are extremely important for the strength of your arteries, for example, bioflavonoids can cure, we don't use this often, but cure hemorrhoids because what it does, it shrinks the hemorrhoid and there you go. There's the key. Now, again, is that internal or is that uh, a topical? Internal. Oh, really? So you're curing the hemorrhoids from the inside out. Okay. Now let's talk about, that would be the pulp and the under part of the skin, mm -hmm. which we call limonene. Then there's vitamin C. Now, I know a lot of people who don't understand that vitamin C not only comes from orange, it comes from a lot of other substances. Sure. And the orange, is it's not the only one, and frankly, it's not the best. What they do, when you buy orange juice in a supermarket, you're getting orange juice that has been heated to a degree, it's actually pasteurized, where 99% of this vitamin C is gone. So, oh, I drink a glass of orange juice a day, I don't need... Vitamin C, well, if you want to get two, three, five, ten milligrams, fine. But vitamin C only really works in very large amounts. 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. Linus Pauling, I think he recommended 50,000 a day because the body can only utilize what it needs. And how do you know what your body needs? Do you need 10, 15, 500, 300, 3,000, 10,000, 50,000? That's why 
Vitamin C doesn't work for everyone to stop a cold. Good night. That would be 50 capsules of 1,000 milligram vitamin C a day? Well, it replaces there, it, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> and kidding. <laughs> and breakfast. Very good. The only thing is the body can only utilize what it needs. That's the whole point. And you can take a C in a chewable. You can put it in. There are uh, liquid vitamin Cs also. They're not as effective, but you can use them. Jerry Armour from the Good Health Pantry is who we've been talking to. Jerry, I, I thoroughly enjoy every time you come here. It's, we have a lot of fun. Go visit Jerry down at the Good Health Pantry, which is in Factoria, or he can ship stuff to you. How do they get a hold of you, Jerry? Area code 425-641-4279. Or if you're out of the area, 1-888-641-4274. Jerry, on tomorrow's show, we're going to have a really fun time because starting off the show tomorrow, um, Bruce Murdoch from Mix 92.5, I believe, is going to be here. He's going to saunter down the hall because he's the morning radio personality of Murdoch, Hunter, and Alice. He's going to be here. We're going to spend an hour with him. And then Dolly May is going to be here. So she's going to bring her little tarot cards, and we're going to talk about reading your future. So you'll have to call in tomorrow. Good. I'll see what my future is. Uh, how many more years that I have? That's you have hundreds of years. <laughs> Thank you very much. Be, be nice to yourself. Be nice to somebody else. Be positive. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. <laughs>